You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Exodus chapter number 13, and we'll be going to the New Living Translation, and I'm going to read seven verses of Scripture here while we're standing, and then we'll be seated. And we want the Lord to have His way this morning. How many are thankful for the Spirit of the Lord that's here today? Amen. Go with me. Exodus chapter 13. If you don't have this, you can see it on the screen. So Moses said to the people, This is a day to remember forever. The day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery. Today, the Lord has brought you out by the power of His mighty hand. Remember, eat no food containing yeast on this day in early spring. In the month of Abib, you have been set free. Now I'm going to take my text from verse 5. He says, you must celebrate this event. In this month, each year, after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, Jebusites, he swore to your ancestors that he would give you this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. For seven days the bread you eat must be made without yeast. Then on the seventh celebrate a feast to the Lord. Eat bread without yeast during those seven days. In fact, there must be no yeast bread or any yeast at all found within the borders of your land during this time. And then watch verse 8. On the seventh day, you must, everybody say must. There's that word again. You must explain to your children, I am celebrating what the Lord did for me when I left Egypt. This annual festival will be a visible sign to you like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead. Let it remind you always to recite this teaching of the Lord. With a strong hand, the Lord rescued you from Egypt. So observe the decree of this festival at the appointed time each year. This is the final part of our four-week deliverance series. And this week, I bring to you that deliverance must be celebrated. Deliverance must be celebrated. God didn't say it was an option. He said it's a, it's a must. It's a have to. It's not an ought to. It, it, it's a shall. Amen. It must be celebrated. I'm glad that today I can celebrate. Amen. Together with you, the deliverance of the Lord. Can we put our hands together? Hallelujah. And thank the Lord today. God, I thank you. Thank you for your, your power, your grace, your mercy, your love. God, that has set us free. Lord, let your word be anointed to our heart today. In Jesus' name we pray. And somebody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this morning as you are seated. Deliverance must be celebrated. We're on the finale, the final week of a four-week sermon series called Deliverance from Bondage to Blessing. In each of these four weeks, we have looked at some passage of Scripture, some identifying trait in the story of Exodus where God sent Moses 
by his mighty hand, as we just read, to bring the children of Israel out of bondage and out of Egypt. There were four things that stood out that were strong characteristics that God God would let them know without this, deliverance will not happen or without this, deliverance will not continue. In week one, we we looked at deliverance comes by authority. Moses was instructed of God that when you go, you and your brother Aaron and you stand before Pharaoh, he said, you must command Pharaoh, let my people go. It was God's way of letting them know I am in authority. And when I speak something, it's going to happen and your deliverance is going to come by authority. We looked at three things and that was The word of God is the ultimate authority that deliverance will not happen without our submission to God's authority. And number three, by God's authority and our obedience, we go from bondage to blessing. Amen. I thank God for the authority, amen, that he has in my life and your life. And he has that because we allow him. In week two, we saw deliverance comes with purpose, that we are not an accident, but God has a purpose for us. Not just corporately, but but specifically and uniquely. We do not get to choose the path of our worship. We do not get to choose the path, amen, of our deliverance and and our purpose where God wants us to serve and, and to live and be a testimony for him. And we must understand that sometimes we can be frustrated with our life, why we're here, why I was born this way or, or that or in this circumstance or to this family. But God put us where we are so that he can get glory, amen, from our life and so that he could show himself to us that gives you unique value in the presence of God and before the face of God we saw not only those two things but we also saw that God's purpose is what will see us through to the end as Paul said he that hath begun a good work shall perform it turn to somebody and tell them God's working for you even when we don't see it the psalm The song says, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. Even right now, you think, my goodness, what in the world is going on? I tell you, I don't think the world knows right now. And if one thing's been illustrated in the last few days is people don't know how to think for themselves. They're looking to anybody else. Tell me what I ought to think. Tell me how I ought to react. Tell me how I ought to be. Amen. But I'm glad I can stand on a promise today. Amen. That God has a purpose in my life and it doesn't matter what's happening. Amen. He's working for our good. Somebody praise the Lord this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Last week, we saw that deliverance comes in distinction. That God, by intention, made his people 
stand out. He separated them. And that first act of separation, amen, before it affected what they wore, how they walked, how they talked, what they ate, who they hung around with, the first act of separation was God says, I'm going to keep you from all the plagues and all the stuff that is going mess and chaos in Egypt. He said, I'm going to sustain you. The first act of separation and distinction was an act of supernatural protection and providence and blessing. God's deliverance comes in distinction. And we learn that that distinction is part of our testimony. Today, I don't want to look, act, live like the rest of the world because I don't want to be affected like the rest of the world, but I want to live, look, act in a way that I'm under the blessings of the Lord, the covering of His love, Amen. The hand of his grace upon our life and our distinction is for God's glory. It's not for your glory. It's not for my glory. It's for his glory. Now today we come to chapter number 13. And here in this passage, God gives to Moses another emphatic, another must-do, another non-contingent part of deliverance. And he said this, I'm going to deliver you. And I'm delivering you uh, 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 at this time. And this time, he says, is going to be a whole new beginning for you from this point on. He says, I'm going to give you a calendar whereby to live by. And your calendar, the first month of your calendar, is going to begin at the point of deliverance, at the point of the Passover. Your annual year will start every year at the point of deliverance. And then every year on this month, you will commemorate it. You will celebrate it. And he tells them this, you must celebrate this event. Amen. He said, when you go out of here, it's the start of everything in your life. Every measure of your life, every appointment in your life is going to be measured by this. And as it cycles around another year, God says, I'm requiring you to celebrate it. You are to have a feast every year at this time. When it rolls back around, every single year, you're going to get together. And there was observed, the, and you might say, strict instructions on how they were to observe the feast. There was the, the clearing out of the leaven. Um, if you think you've gone into extra mode about sanitizing in the last few days... This was something that would impact their home. They would go through and they would, every uh, 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 corner, every, uh, every little nook in the house, they would clean everything out. They would go through with such uh, care and precaution to remove every bit of leaven out of that house. It, they would observe the feast for seven days, but it started way before the feast. They started preparation and they 
started preparing. Can you imagine going through trying to make sure there's not one speck, one ounce. It was like cleaning your house after a virus. In, in a pandemic, you're going through, you're not leaving anything untouched. You're pulling everything out. It would disrupt their life. It would cause everything to come to a pause. And this would be the focus. And once they could assure themselves it was out, they would celebrate the feast and and for those seven days, they'd eat unleavened bread. And then on that seventh day, it would be a feasting in the truest sense of the word, a celebration where they came together. And on that seventh day, they had to bring their children around and they had to tell them, this is why we did all of this. This is why we went through and we cleaned the house and we got everything taken care of. And this is why we've been eating this way. This is why now we're, we're able to feast this way because at this time God delivered us. God brought us out. He said every single year, it doesn't matter what comes up, it doesn't matter what goes on, you must celebrate this event. Every year he was speaking to that generation and all, all, all generations that would follow even today still. We commemorate, amen, the Passover, amen, amen, in its fulfilled sense. And that is Jesus Christ, uh, amen, the perfect lamb that came down, amen, died on a cross, was buried three days, and then he rose again, amen. Every year it rolls around and we commemorate it and we celebrate it again and we bring our children in and we tell them this is why we do this. This is why we clean the house and this is why we eat this way and this is why because there was a day that we were not free. There was a moment, amen, that we were steeped in sin but God in his power and his mercy and his love reached down and he saved us. Can I tell you, God does not want you to live in the memory of your bondage. God does not want you to live under the burdens of past pain. But God says, I want you to celebrate every deliverance, every healing, every freedom. I'm here to tell you the devil is a liar. Look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We used to sing an old song. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. Come on, anybody been saved just in time? Come on, some of you, if it had gone much longer, you wouldn't have been here, but God found you at the right moment, at the right place, at the right time. Come on, some of you at the end of your rope, proverbially speaking, and some literally speaking, amen. But God stepped in, and that's why we're here today. Amen. Can I tell you, the world is full of examples of people that gave up, that quit too early. Amen. Uh, uh, graves are filled with people that the enemy got a hold of. But we're here today, and it's cause for celebration. It's cause, amen, for thanksgiving. It's cause for reflection, amen, and praising the name of the Lord. You see, there's a reality here, and that's this, that what isn't celebrated will be lost. 
Go with me to Psalm chapter number 78. I turn in Psalm chapter number 78 and here the psalmist writes about this Exodus story and narrative that we're talking about. And here we see that even in the wilderness when they failed to remember and celebrate what God did, there was, there was tragic things that took place. We don't have time to read the whole chapter, so I take you just to verse 41, and here is an interesting passage of Scripture because it's the only place that testifies to this. It says, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. You mean, God, I can limit you? You mean the God that has no limit to power can be limited by man? You mean the God that is omniscient, that is all-powerful, that knows everything, that, amen, it, there is nothing that God cannot do can be limited by mere humanity, by mere creation? How did they limit God? The next verse gives us the testimony. Here's how they limited God. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. Verse 56 says, They tempted and provoked the Most High and kept not his testimonies, but turned back and dealt unfaithfully. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. God says you must celebrate this event. It doesn't matter if you've lived for God for 50 years, you ought to still remember and thank God the day that you repented of your sins, was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's marked in my calendar every year. My iPhone knows, amen, October the 14th, 1988. I'll never forget the day that I was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit evidence by speaking in other tongues. I thank God for that. Have I always lived right? Have I always been perfect after that? No, but I've always been able to go back and thank God for what he's done in my life and what he did in my life. We must celebrate what God has done for us or we will lose it. We will forget, amen, the power of God in our life. I call you into memory right now. If God has ever carried you through a dark night, if God has ever taken you through a storm, if God has ever walked you through, amen, waters that didn't seem like they would part, but miraculously he brought you through, if God has ever brought you through a fiery furnace, amen, you ought to look back and thank God for that. You ought to thank God because it's those things, amen, that leverage the power of God in our life today. Look at Psalm chapter number 63. We go to Psalm 63 here. And here's what the psalmist says in Psalm chapter number 63 and verse 3. He says, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Let me tell you, when praise stops coming from your mouth, is after you start dwelling on the Lord, after you start thinking on the Lord. 
if you'll stop thinking on His loving kindness, if the enemy can get you to stop thinking about His goodness, He can shut your mouth. Hear me today. He can shut your mouth. That's why I said in the next few days as we're, as we're uh, uh, in our homes and, and, and not going out and so many things have shut down and, and we're there, we have to be diligent. We have to walk circumspect as the Bible tells us. We've got to be careful, amen, that we don't just sit our brain down in front of something and let the world tell us what's funny and how to think and all of this stuff and just ingest that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not preaching against uh, the technology and all those things. I get all that. I'm a part of that. I, I do all of that. But be careful that you're just not mindlessly scrolling on social media, living your life vicariously through everybody else because if the enemy can get you to stop thinking about what God has done for you, he can shut your mouth and worship and he can shut your mouth and praise. Sister Tammy, I thank you. Wednesday night we had just an awesome time here with Brother and Sister Cox and the Lettners here. We're talking about different things. And this week, there's going to be some more exciting things. I'm excited about that. But there was a question that came across, and you answered it. I would have never thought in my mind to answer it the way you did. I felt like, man, it was, I took this. Maybe it was just for me. And the question was, you know, uh, one of the questions was, you know, my spouse works so much, and I don't feel like I, I get much. And when they come home, all I get is the leftovers. And you said, you ought to thank God for the leftovers. You got to thank God for the leftovers. Thank God for what he has given you. That perspective there, man, that's where gratitude will take you right there. That's where gratitude will take you. Be careful that you don't fall prey, amen, to the illusion, amen, as you're looking around the rest of the world to think, man, everybody's got it better than me. Everybody else is nicer than me. and Everybody else's home is better than me. You know they cut all the mess and all the dirty laundry out of that photo before they posted it on Facebook. And they're showing their best foot there. And you scroll through, man, here I am. Man, I'm miserable. Man, I'm a failure. And you start thinking of all this stuff. Can I tell you, don't let the enemy get inside of your mind. Amen. Thank God for every good thing that he's done. Hey, hey, we're not going out to eat. We're not eating a fancy place. We may just be eating leftovers. But when you sit that on the table, you don't eat that without praying. God, I'm thanking you today for the leftovers. Come on, somebody know what I'm talking about here. I'm celebrating every good thing that God has done in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We cannot forget where God brought us from. Man, it's so easy to start thinking, oh, look at my life. And then when you remember back where God brought you from, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. Man, I'm going to tell you. I'm so blessed in my life. I'm so blessed. You're so blessed in your life. We all have stories and testimonies of things we could go, go back and see where if you had come down, if you had just been like everybody else in your family before, you look at the mess maybe where you would be. I don't know your family history. I don't know your family heritage. Amen. But I had no heritage until my family met the Lord and God changed us and God saved us and God brought us back together. What? isn't celebrated will be lost. God said this. He said to them, he said, the month of Abib, that's the Hebrew word for their first month of the year. Later on, sometimes you'll hear that word called Nisan. That was the Babylonian term when they're in Babylon and they're celebrating the Passover 
The Babylonian word is Nisan, but it's the same month. And this is the first place in Scripture where we see God giving them commandments about calendar. God tells them, God gives to the Hebrews, He gives them a calendar. It's set by the moon. It's set by uh, uh, the things that God had created. It's not some arbitrary calendar. Today we operate on the Gregorian calendar, which is uh, uh, man's calculation. But before that, uh, there was just people, every kingdom, every nation had its own sort of calendar. And so God gives the Hebrews their unique identifying system by giving them a calendar, a measure of time, a measure of their time. And God tells them this. He says, this is the first month of your year. This is to be celebrated in the first month. You're going to start your year uh, uh, on the 14th of Abib. This is going to be the Passover. It was to be the new moon. It was on that night that there would be no moon, that you would just see a star-lit sky. And wow, the wonder of that. God would remind them that at this point, 14 days into the first year, that's going to be the day of the Passover, and you're going to celebrate it. Your year, your measure of your life is going to be measured by the day that I delivered you. Hear me. The measure of your life is not in the successes you've achieved. It's not in the accomplishments you made. But God says the measure of your life is starts on the moment and the day that I deliver you. Your life is now set in time by the day of deliverance. Can I tell you, that's why the most important thing in our life is being right with God, is being delivered and staying set free. Amen. Walking out of sin and staying out of sin. Living in the liberty that God has given us. He said, this is how you're going to set your life. This is how you're going to measure your life. Can I tell you, too many people in this world, we're measuring our life on the wrong thing, so to speak. We're measuring our life by what people tell us. We're measuring our life by other things that go on. We're measuring our life, amen, by what the world projects on us, by what we compare or what we think. And God says, no, I'm going to measure your life, amen, by the day of deliverance. Can I tell you, amen, my life may have been something, amen, but it doesn't matter because all that matters to me is the day that I am delivered and set free. And it doesn't matter if you were 8 years old, if you were 18 years old, or if you were 80 years old. It doesn't matter if you were 108 years old. Amen. God is no respecter of persons. If you can be repented of your sins, God's blood, amen, can cover you. His spirit can fill you. Amen. His love can heal you. That's how you measure your life. So you mean, you mean the person that lives their life however they want, can live their life, waste their years, and then all of a sudden at the end of their life they can, they can hear about the gospel, give their life to God, and God can redeem them, and they can have just as much value as the person that lived their whole life? Yes, because God doesn't measure your life until the point of deliverance. Wow, wow, wow. That's all that matters in my life. That's all that matters in my life. God calls me to be a pastor. God called me to be a minister. God calls me to be a preacher of the Word of God. But can I tell you, all of that is secondary, amen, to my salvation and the deliverance, 
amen in my life. It's all the same with you. The deliverance that God has in your life is the number one thing. And there's good news here because God in His providence, in His wisdom, in His knowing, in His love gave us, gave them, I should say, an opportunity. What if you're sick on Passover? What if you're traveling? What if you're attending a funeral? What if you're taking care of business and something happens? What if they shut down the ports? What if, what if there is no uh, caravan to get back to Israel or Jerusalem to observe the Passover on that first month? What if I can't make it? God says, here's how important it is for you to celebrate it. If you cannot celebrate it on the first month, most people don't always realize God told them in Numbers chapter 9, 10, and 11, He said, you can celebrate it on the following month. You're going to come back on the following month. God saw it's so important that He even gave them makeup days for rainouts, for sick leaves, and for COVID-19 crisis. God said, you may not be able to make it to church when you wanted to. You may not be able to make it to church when it's appointed. But if you don't make it there, don't you just write it off. Don't you just say, I can't do it. Don't worry about it. I'm going to leave it there. He said, no, I'm going to give you another time because you've got to celebrate it. You've got to have it. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, I remember, anybody remember uh, uh, back in the days being snowed in? That wasn't that long ago, right? And I remember being a kid in our house, our old house on Hoyt Avenue in Indianapolis, 4410 Hoyt. Man, it had these, it had these metal windows that they were just fly catchers. They didn't really catch the weather or the wind. And in the winter, I remember one cold winter, it was so cold, we got all the blankets we could. Anybody ever do this? And you pin them up, nail them up over all the windows. Makes it real dark in the house. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Man, I remember it was so bitter cold that year. We had some friends visiting us that season. We got all snowed in together, and we had this little, we lived in this, it, this house wasn't that big, and we had two families of four. It was only supposed to be a night, but we got snowed in, and it ended up being several days, and they canceled church, and we couldn't make it to church. This is back in the 80s, and, and we couldn't get there, and so I remember, I'll never forget that I was Always remember that morning we gathered around the living room. People pulled up chairs. We sat on the floor. My dad had, had a guitar and uh, bless his heart. I don't know if you're watching today, dad, but you really couldn't play the guitar that well. But you knew, you knew about two or three chords and he played those two or three chords. And there we were and we sang and we worshiped and we had prayer. I don't know if we took up an offering. I can't remember that. But I do know we, had, we opened up our Bibles, we carried our Bibles, and we had church in the living room. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when life circumstance come up in a way that interrupts what you think you're going to do. God says this is so important. You can't just put it off. You can't just go without it. You can't afford to go without it. You've got to let there be a celebration in your heart. You've got to let there be a thanksgiving that God set me free. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What isn't celebrated will be lost. What isn't celebrated will be lost. That's why when we come to the house of God, 
We worship, we dance, we shout, we clap our hands, we sing songs, we praise, and we magnify God. It's okay, amen, to worship the Lord. Can I get an amen? It's okay to magnify the Lord. Some of you, you used to party pretty hard. Don't come into the house of the Lord and then expect not to worship God and celebrate Him with the same enthusiasm. It's going to look different, but you got to have the same measure in your heart. Maybe you can't do, you, you can't, you can't, st some, you can't stand. Maybe you can't, you can't, but you can still worship God with the fullness of your heart in every measure, in every way. God deserves as much amen of me as anything the world would have ever received. We go on in Esther chapter number 9. And in Esther chapter number 9, there is an interesting story here because the children of Israel have now come to the promised land. They've gone, we're, we're fast forwarding hundreds of years ahead. And now they are in Babylon, has been conquered by Media Persia. Now they're in the Persian kingdom. And there is a decree sent out. You know the story of Mordecai and Haman. And there's a decree sent out uh, uh, that anyone uh, that is a Jew ought to be killed. And so now the attack is upon them just because of how they identify. If you're a Jew, you're going to be killed. The way they would identify was in their worship. It was in their lifestyle. It was not only in that, but it was in of course, their bloodline, their DNA, their family heritage, but there was an attack that uniquely came upon the people of God. And I'm here to tell you today, I don't know, but maybe the Bible says that there's coming a day again where that very well may be the case again. And I'm here to tell you there's a testimony that we don't have to panic, we don't have to worry because God provided and so there's a young lady by the name, a young girl, by the name of Esther. And Esther is a virgin in a pagan society. She is standing out. There is distinction in Esther's life. Not only distinction, but there was authority in her life, her her uncle was Mordecai. He served in the king's palace. And her uncle came to her and gave her some uh, 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 instruction. She was brought before the king. She was selected to be uh, a candidate to be uh, his new wife. And in that candidacy, she retained her distinction as a Jewish virgin. When all the women were presented before Ahasuerus, Esther comes forward and the distinguishing thing about Esther, if you go back and you read it, she accepted all of the beauty treatments of the Persians, but there were certain lines that she drew. When Esther goes into the throne room of Ahasuerus, she was not made up like everyone else. She had received all the beauty treatments, but if you go back and study it, she went as a Jewish virgin. She was standing there as God had made her and created her. And it was so distinct that there was something that Ahasuerus saw. And he said, this one is more beautiful than anything I've ever seen. She had authority in her life. She had purpose because as she goes before the king at the end, 
she tells her uncle, she says, for such a time as this. I may have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And her words in response were, if I perish, I perish. There was a purpose in her life. And so when Esther goes forward to him, she, she says, you have made a decree to kill all the Jews. And I am a Jew. Here Ahasuerus had married Esther, and he didn't know she was a Jew. He had married her. He knew she stood apart, but he didn't know why she stood apart. And now he finds out she's a Jew, and his, his right-hand man, Haman, has sent to kill her. And not only her, all of her family. And as she is going before him, he makes this decree and says, I cannot undo what I did. In the law of the Medes and Persians, once the king made a decree, it could not be undone. But he said, I can make a counter decree. And that's this. He said, I can make a decree. He made a decree that all Jews would die on this certain day. But he said, I make a counter decree that all Jews would be able to arm themselves and that they can kill as many people that come up against them and they will not be held accountable, but that they will be blessed in the kingdom. And so when the Jews armed themselves, there was no one in their right mind that was going to stand up against them because they knew they had been armed under the approval, amen, not only of Almighty God, but of the king of the land. God used the pagan king to stand in and arm the Jewish people, his own people. And so we come to Esther chapter number 9, and Mordecai wrote these things in verse 20 and sent letters unto all the Jews that were in all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus, both nigh and far, to establish this among them, that they should keep the 14th day of the month Adar, which was at the end of their year, and the 15th day of the same yearly, as the days wherein the Jews rested from their enemy, and the months month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joy and from mourning. Hear me, into a good day that they should make them days of feasting and joy and send portions one to another and gifts to the poor. And they go on and they did all of these things in verse 26, wherefore these called these days Purim after the name of Pur. This is the initiating of what the Jews celebrate called the Feast of Purim. It just so happens that this past Tuesday, on March 10th, the evening of March 10th, was Purim, or the Feast of Purim. They celebrate it. Still to this day, they celebrate it. Back in those days, he said, I want you to get it literally, you can read through the text. He said, I want you to get noisemakers. And he said, I want you to come together. And on Tuesday night in most synagogues around America, they gathered together and they had noisemakers and they would take plates and they would stamp on and shatter the plates and they would celebrate and there were certain things that they would say 
as they would celebrate and honor the day that God delivered them from Purim. They put it in, amen, in writing. They put it in their calendar. I'm here to tell you, you know what we do every day? We are celebrating, amen, the deliverance of the Lord. But I've got good news. We don't have to wait yearly till Purim. And we don't have to wait, amen, until once a day, a, a year happens. But the psalmist said of every day, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, I don't know about you, but I am thank God that he saved my soul. I thank God that he delivered me. I thank God that he washed me, that he cleansed me, and that he set my spirit free. Oh, hallelujah. There's got to be a celebration. Amen. You've got to celebrate it. It ought to be the thing of your home. It ought to be the thing in your household. Hallelujah. I want you to hear a testimony today, and I don't know if we're going to be able to hear it, but I'm going to close with a testimony. We're going to try to get this up on the screen. Maybe some of you have seen it. It's from a few years ago. Sister Vanny Marshall gives an incredible testimony. She was, well, I'll let her tell your testimony if we can get that. Are we ready to go? Over 2,000 gods, over 
2,000 gods by memory. It was required of me. It was required of the priesthood. And I, as an obedient daughter of a priest or granddaughter of a priest, I learned the names of 2,000 gods. At the age of 19 or 20, I was so hungry for God, but I did not know his name, where he was, who he is. And so I started a journey of pain and darkness at the age in my late teens in 1920 I became discipled under a witch and the reason I went into that was not to harm anyone but to find God any which way at all when you're hungry you get desperate and when you're desperate you will do anything to find God and so I went after him and I didn't find him in the pages of Hinduism I didn't find him in the pages of the priesthood creed I didn't find him in the pages of mantras and prayers that I was taught to believe in I didn't find him in the in the rooms of temples huge temples I would go into that and want to look for God there was one time I was in southern India and there was in this temple I went in and I opened the curtain there was a veil that divided the the uh, the holy area from the rest of the public well I couldn't wait I had no authority to go into that area. Only a male priest could go in there. I opened the curtain and there was a 10-foot idol. 12 arms, 12 faces, myriad number of eyes. He didn't see me. He couldn't hold me. He had eyes and could not see me. Years down the road, I was struck with a demonic pain in my body. From the top of my head to the tips of my feet, I would be in pain. Painkillers and suicide came the order of the day. I, was, I, I, I took painkillers every day, more than the required dose, just to knock myself out. And in my mind, it was one thought. If I ended my life, I would end the pain. And so I was sitting at the edge of my bed, possibly on the last day of my life on this planet. Sometimes when it all looks lonely, you feel that nobody really cares. Hear me, young people. He's watching over you. He's watching over you. And it may not be tangible. But he's over you and he loves you and he'll come through for you if you would just focus on him and let the other stuff go. And I was sitting at the edge of my bed, frustrated, fed up. And I cried out like you have cried out. Jesus. I'd heard of that name when I was growing up. Christmas cards. Christian people that would come to my door and tell me he died for you and I would resist them and argue with them proud and arrogant of the priesthood that I belong to ignorant and when I cried out Jesus the presence of a holy God began to filter through that room that room was darkened the lights were switched off I was sitting on the edge of my bed I never saw his face but his voice was as audible as anything that I've ever heard before I am Jesus I am God and he touched my body no doctor could cure the disease that was in my body no doctor could heal me young men no doctor could provide the answers 
nothing out there can. And I've been there, done it, and I've tried it. Everything, the darkest road, I've taken it, gentlemen. And he came to me, he touched my body. In an instant, that disease left my body. In an instant, I was healed. I began to feel his power and his presence course through my body. I went into this tiny church about 50 people and somebody up in front there looked a bit like this platform and somebody up on this uh, was talking about going into the water that if you're baptized you become a new creature well I didn't understand that either I was wondering how water can make such a big difference what's the big deal we take showers every day I went up to this preacher man and I said will you put me in this water because everything and anything he wants me to do I'm ready to do it he has set me free he has healed me anything and everything no matter the price no matter and so they put me in that water when I came out legions of demonic influences broke free from me <laughs> and I was set free church and today depression is going to go heart disease is going to flee Jesus is in Come this on, house. if that's your testimony. Come on, if you're thankful for He's a testimony. Here. And if you can shout Come on, God, has God Jesus. set you free? Shout Come on, Jesus. has he delivered you? Come on, there's something we've got to celebrate about today. Come on, in this place, I give an altar call this morning. Come on, God said, deliverance is yours, but it must be celebrated. Come on, I don't want to go a day without thanking the Lord for the ways he set me free. Come on, depression has no hold on us. Fear has no hold on us. Come on, his mercy and grace is here. Come on, God can heal you right here this morning. God can touch you right where you're sitting at your house today. Come on, God can fill you with his promise and his spirit today. Come on, there's no other name but the name of Jesus. Come on, there's no other reason to live but the name of Jesus. Come on, there's no other meaning of life but the day he delivered us. Come on, it's how I measure my life. It's everything.